Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk USA. Are you tired of waiting for change? Tune into Blog Talk USA. Let your voice be heard on Blog Talk USA. Blog Talk USA. Are you tired of waiting for change? Tune into Blog Talk USA. Let your voice be heard on Blog Talk USA. Welcome, welcome everybody to Blog Talk USA. We are so happy to be here with you on this extra marvelous Monday because we are going to be having an evening with First Sergeant Daryl Eddings Sr. He is running for U.S. Congress to represent Texas 6th District and we are excited. Let me tell you quickly how you can always find us and listen to our live programs and our archived episodes. First, I'll ask everyone on the line. I've got all the lines open tonight, so please do press mute on your phone when you're not speaking, and that way we'll get a clean audio and everybody can hear everybody. Okay, the number to call to listen live by phone is 515-605-9375. You can also find us at blogtalkusa.com or blogtalkradio.com forward slash blogtalkusa. You can also listen to us in podcast form at the Blog Talk USA podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Radio, and under that banner you can always find Marvelous Monday. Okay, so now I don't see our host on yet. Dr. McKellar, are you on? Okay, not yet. So I'll tell you what. I'm going to go ahead and introduce our man of the hour and go ahead and get started with him. First Sergeant, my brother, are you on? I truly am, sis, and I truly appreciate all of you. Absolutely. We're so happy to have you on. We're excited um, for everybody. Everybody knows you. All of our listeners know you, but... We want them to know you in maybe a little bit different light than they've known you before. They've known you as a strong, staunch supporter of Dr. McKellar in her endeavors, Um, probably one of her very strongest allies and supporters, I'd say. Uh, They know you as somebody with strong opinions, uh, somebody who stands up for what they believe in, someone who has served this country your entire life. but you are really, really humble <laughs> about yourself. And I was looking, uh, I know you, I've known you for years, but looking on paper at your, just your basic resume is beyond 
impressive. And if that's okay with you, um, I'd like you to introduce yourself to everybody and then let me dig into some questions about that resume. So take it away. Thank you. Thank you, sis. Mm-hmm. And, and You're welcome. You know, I, I have to say I, I'm blessed to everybody giving me the, the ability to be who I am and what I am. And, and this is really what Block Talk is about. We're educating folks every day of every hour, and it's about equal share for the people. And, and that's what I love about all of you. And, and I've been behind the scenes all my life um, because it's about helping folks. It's about helping people. And, yes, at times we all need help. And, and this is one of those times that I'm asking for help because it's a two-way thing. Uh, I'm in a race to go to Congress, and I want to win it for the people. I want to give it back to the people. So to tell you about myself, uh, I am over 42 years of uh, government service, 29 years in the military, um, 11, over 11 years of active duty, um, starting as an airborne ranger um, with four years of my service as a 19 Delta Scout. So I'm, I was trained as a combat infantry soldier. And then from there, I exit the military and joined the California National Guard. Um, with the qualifications that I had from active duty, I went to a special forces unit. And being assigned to a special forces unit, I was assigned, detached to an aviation unit of the California National Guard, which basically was general lifts, uh, Hueys, um, Chinook helicopters. We were the only Chinook helicopters. Uh, west of Colorado. So the California mission is very unique um, because we have four seasons. Um, We have earthquakes. We have floods. We have fires. um, And we have the disasters that, that, that come with just being California. Um, through the ranks um, in the Special Forces Unit, I became the detachment leader um, where I, I can, rose. Can, can in, I ask you, can I, yes. can I just jump in and ask you a specific question about that? Because here you go again kind of being humble and you, you, you sort of <laughs> blow over really important things. And before I ask you, let me also tell you, our host, Dr. Shirley McKellar, is on with us now. Dr. McKellar, I started without you. I hope you don't mind. <laughs> no, I'm listening. You you don't need me to start. I tell you. Good evening, first sergeant. First of all, to everybody, greetings and welcome to Marvelous Monday. We're always delighted to have first sergeant, my son, who I'm so excited, Miss Rihanna, about him running for United States Congress. Uh, he is absolutely the best person for the job. He is so well-rounded. And so we were honored, as you know, to have First Sergeant to run our camp. He ran the security part of our campaign. He's, best, he's the best I know. 
and people used to say best in the West. He is just the best that I know. Yes. And so uh, I'm going to turn it back over to you, Miss Rihanna. You carry on, and I'm going to sit in, yes, in, in the driver's seat. I'm going to sit in the passenger seat, rather, and put you in the driver's seat and listen in. And I, can I catch this on Facebook Live, Miss Rihanna? Where, which Facebook Live should I go to? And we thank, uh, thank Miss Faith, the uh, campaign uh, manager, for, for putting this on tonight and making sure that everybody in the 6th District of Texas knows exactly who First Sergeant is, and I say this one thing, and then I'm going to let you have it for real, Miss Rihanna, and that is we in the military are trained to lead, and so First Sergeant has been trained to lead. He's a uh, NCO, a, a non-commissioned officer. Uh, he was my First Sergeant in the military, and whatever I needed, he made sure that I was well taken care of. That's what, that's what, uh, that's what they do enlisted. That's what sergeants do in the military, make sure the officers and the rest of the uh, troops are well taken care of. He knows that very well, and so that's why he is the best person for this job, because when he gets to Washington, D.C., he knows how to take care of the troops back down here all across America. Thank you, Ms. Rihanna. Yes. Where can I go to Facebook Live to get on that? There were some um, technical difficulties, so we're just here right now. And is, is that you, Ms. Faith? Are you hopping in? Um, oh, okay. Okay, Hello. go ahead, Ms. Rihanna. Okay. Carry on okay. with your interview. <laughs> yes, um, absolutely. So everybody, um, yes, please go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash blogtalkusa if you're listening on the phone and you'd rather listen online and you can find uh, our live episode online right there or just give out this phone number and tell everybody to call in and listen. Okay, so first, oh, Sergeant, as I was... Oh, go ahead, Ms. Uh, Faith Chatham. Okay. Miss Faith, are you going to say something? Okay. Um, okay. Go ahead. Oh, yes. Let me ask you um, because, like I was saying, you sort of—I uh, <laughs> don't know—if anybody out there was a Seinfeld fan, the, they say <laughs> yada yada yada, and then I ended up here, and they skipped over all the really important stuff that they did, and you're just so humble about it. So I want to ask you in the the. Guard, you served as operations officer of an aviation unit, as you said. You reported directly to a one-star general um, at, at, in that post. Is that correct? That is that is correct. Um, our, and, wow. So being his right hand, um, I actually reported to a colonel who was his number two, and that was my boss. But in briefing, I was the command and control of all the helicopters, all the people. I was the mover and shaker. And at the end of the day, I had to account for 100% for, and, and we talk about terms, beans and bullets. So I had to account for, for all the people, all the equipment, all the fuel, and I had to in, ensure that 210% accountability, because when you talk about weapons, you talk about people, you talk about their welfare, and then you talk right. about the equipment, and we talk about the equipment. You're talking about over 200 pieces of equipment. You're talking over $20 million worth of, of equipment that, right. that the – 
the citizens and the people of California need. In, in California, Scott, we played a 24-hour on-call. Because of being in the aviation world, our helicopters were used in many situations, high forest altitude fires. for rescue, forest fires, mm-hmm. earthquakes, floods. Right. Uh, this was based in Northern California, so we deal with just about anything and everything. And being wow. close to the state capitol, uh, we were always responsible with uh, command and control with our state general, which his boss was the governor. So, uh, right. so we this is sort of like uh, what General Honore does, uh, what he did during Katrina, and that sort of thing. I mean, that you is were, correct. You're that is correct. Overseeing major organization and um, and equipment and everything for big disasters. For you were there during um, the L.A. rioting. Um, Twice, I. I you are so cruel. I, I played in the uh, – I was assigned to a counter-drug organization where I was the very first border ranger when it was established uh, back in the day. Um, I was on the Calexico border uh, in the El Dorado area. And, and we, as National Guard, basically did command and control of listening posts, and we watched – Coyotes coming across the border, drug smugglers by walking on U.S. soil, by flying. We had to report these things. Um, Mm -hmm. So we had listening posts along the border. But on two separate occasions, uh, we were called back for an emergency deployment off the border to uh, report to the city of Los Angeles. Uh, We were in there prior for O.J., Rodney King, and again, uh, both areas that were declared martial law, my organizations were the first units on the ground. Um, Wow. So so keeping us safe not only uh, across the water but here (laughs) in the homeland too. Um, Yes, ma'am. And and also you mentioned the border uh, and – you know, that you were sent on drug interdiction missions. Uh, uh, you were sent into Central America as well? I was, yes, ma'am, in active duty. I was sent in, in on active duty. I spent drug and addiction missions uh, deep in Honduras, uh, El Salvador, uh, where we played um, joint with the armies down there and the federales. Um, we we taught them how to do what they do to this day. Um, right. So you know, not not only are you well-versed in issues at the border because you've worked the border, but you're also uh, well-versed in the issues going on in some of these countries that would would cause families to want to take the dangerous journey and trek up to our border and seek asylum. So you're, uh, you're well-versed in, in both of those issues. It's not just talking points for you with the border. That is correct, Rianne. Um, 
my exposure dealing with firsthand is being assigned to the Department of Justice uh, Air Operations for the Marshal Service, where we had to um, go back and take folks back that are being formally deported. And so I knew firsthand why individuals seek asylum, seek asylum. Right, um, right. So I, being on the border and transferring, I spent three years um, transporting INS um, families back to the border. Uh, right. The, so I know the Department of Justice um, protocol by heart. Um, right. And I know that the protocol was totally unacceptable and broken when you separate children yes. from their families. Yes, absolutely. And I'm, it sounds also like you uh, you see the fact that these are people we're talking about and not, you know, illegals or whatever term they want to give them. These are human beings to you and you understand from firsthand experience working with folks and working that I with... I do. Right, absolutely. You know, well, the bottom line when we transfer to anybody, regardless of what their status is, we as an Americans and we as a democratic society have an obligation to safeguard. Regardless if you are a prisoner in my custody, I have an obligation and a duty first. And, and that's to transport you all safe from point A to point B. And, right. and we miss that. We miss that, Rianne. So it, it's right. a personal thing for me. It's a personal yeah. thing because it's, it's about God and country, and we, we mess right. that up. Right. Absolutely. So would you say, um, thinking about the children – and adults that were lost, that that died in custody during the Trump administration. Um, and just knowing you personally the way that I do, uh, especially in a security capacity, I would imagine that that was just a heartbreaking failure to you, knowing how seriously you take when someone's in your custody, they're in your care. Uh, that must have just been heart-wrenching for you. It is. It is. I, I, these are the days that I wish that I was back in the system because I would rather be fired from doing the job right than being fired doing the job wrong. Um, mm-hmm. At least I had a great career because I did it right. And that makes a world of difference to anybody out there, and it makes a world of difference to any veteran out there. You know? Right. So to good policy and do it right. Oh yes. Right. Good policy. Being in that uh, congressional seat will give you the opportunity to be the one to uh, provide oversight and correct policy. It's important that you somebody has that kind of firsthand experience. In my opinion, uh, like you've had, you know what policies need to be corrected and how to how to affect that change. It sounds like. Yes, ma'am. Um, well over 20 years of experience uh, gives me that knowledge, and I'm not afraid um, for the challenge, and I'm not afraid for doing what's right. 
Absolutely. I, I don't, you know, one of the things that I had to, one of my most best moments being with Dr. McKellar is when we escorted our Congress senators, uh, uh, Lee, Jackson Lee, um, and I got to escort her when she came personally to support Dr. Shirley McKellar um, when she was running. Now, um, she had just got her assignment and being uh, chairwoman of a committee, and she was basically on the phone talking to someone, and for whatever reason, I didn't ask. It was none of my business. She asked me a question, and I just gave her my honest opinion, and she basically was very shocked. I don't know if she was testing me or was she um, just doing what she does and what she does best to find out things because she's an excellent excellent woman and an excellent politician. And and I gave her that answer, and she was like, you know what it's all about. And I was like, ma'am, yes, I do. I do know what Department of Justice is. I do know what Bureau of Prison is. I do know what detaining. And it was in reference to a prisoner um, being executed in prison. And uh, I told her that no, that shouldn't have happened uh, based on his status. And she was like dumbfounded because she, when she found out the answers, I was dead on it. So I appreciate her more ways than one um, because of just her due diligence and being Absolutely. the person that she is to this day. I would love to be Absolutely. honored uh, to work with anybody across party lines because we do have a lot of work, and and we don't need anybody who is a yes person, and we don't need anybody who is uh, just going to do the same old for the last ten years. We don't right. need that. So you'll work with good if there are good faith Republicans in uh, in the capacity uh, that you'll be working in in Congress you would be willing to work with them? I have to. We have to work together. We all have an obligation to the United States. I have an obligation to the people of Texas. Absolutely. Well, I want to switch gears just a little um, and ask you about education. Uh, You've mentioned a few times uh, on this air and on the Thursday shows, um, you've mentioned that housing healthcare and education costs have risen faster than income in your district. And we can see from your resume that you have managed to uh, get a considerable uh, education. That's another thing that you never talk about, but you have a really impressive educational resume as well. Um, Can we, can you let us know about your degrees and, um, how some of you know some of that relevant knowledge and experience may be packed in there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I I I've been I've been blessed and and lucky being at the right place at the right time, being in the right units. 
Um, I have an extensive education in my yes, military career from from 13 job skills, um, which are military um, military skills from infantry to helicopter mechanic to military police. But but I also have um, associate degree in military science, uh, business law, and I'm enrolled in the to get my master's for emergency management. Right. Currently. So you're not doing that. That is correct. <laughs> you're not you're not busy right now. <laughs> no, no. I, I'm 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 truly not busy. Um, you know, being around Dr. McKellar and just being used to the workload that I was before I left for Iraq. I, I used to work eighty one hours a week for 18 years. So this is what we're trained to do, working for the government, working for the military, being on the battlefield, not just once. Um, you, you go home when the job is done. You go home when, when the fight is over. Um, so, you know, yeah, I don't have a whole lot. I mean, I've been 13 years as a business owner. Um, right. where I have veterans driving my vehicles. But you got to give back. you, you got to right. give Absolutely. back. Absolutely. Yeah. And, Ms. Brown, do, uh, do you mind if I jump in, Ms. Brianna? Please do. I, I, please I, do. I, thank you. I'd love to capitalize on that. I uh, uh, That's why I say that veterans are trained to lead. Uh, just listening to all of the backgrounds, that First Sergeant uh, has, why would we not take that uh, to the highest level, to the federal side, because all of his background and everything that he's just laid out to us and his uh, experience, and, and I tell everybody, while you're in the military, take advantage of education while you're in the military, and that's what First Sergeant did, that's what I did, because all of these things will pay for you along the way. And so many people say, well, I don't have the money to go to school. And when you're in the military, you don't have to be concerned with that because they want you educated. Right. So, so just look at all of the issues and, and the things that we're experiencing right now, uh, the pandemics. Uh, we're in more than one pandemic. First Sergeant has been involved in these kinds of disasters forever. So why would we not have a person who has all this background from, from entrepreneurship? Uh, that means that he knows how to bring some jobs right, because he started uh, businesses, so he knows how that thing works, and he knows how to go find people and bring their businesses into the area. So that's one of the things, economic growth. He has that background out of the way. And then he's been involved in all of these disasters uh, from from, uh, being out there on the battlefield where where medics and, and they're trained to take care of their battle buddy. Because guess what? If you are out on a mission, just you and your battle buddy, and that battle buddy gets injured, one of the two of you get injured, you have to know how to take care of that injury, that wound that you may experience. So he has that background. I'm not saying that he's a medical person, but he's had that experience. So you have all these experiences, and we, we've learned in this past four years how important it is to have people in these offices that have the experience. And that's yeah, why that's I... Pushing for yes. Sergeant, we think 
Miss Faith Chatham, actually, it was her idea that first sergeant needs to run for this seat. And she called me about that, and I said, you're absolutely 100% correct. And not only that, he's been out there campaigning and knows what that field is like, and so he is the man for the job. But carry on, Miss Rihanna. I just yeah. want to jump in there and throw that in Thank there. Thank you, Dr. Keller. Thank you. You betcha. Absolutely. And I, I want to ask you just a couple more questions about your background, and then I want to talk about issues. Um, because I, I'm leading up to uh, what prompted you to run. So I really want everybody to understand uh, your dedication to our country is uh, runs. Um, and so I, I want you to let everybody know, um, because you're a highly decorated senior NCO. Um, so let everybody know, what is a senior NCO? A senior, not, uh, a senior NCO is, um, fr- from all of the five branches of the military, when you get to be above a, uh, when you become an E7 and above, you are in a senior status. You could be a, in a command staff, or you can be in a staff level. Um, so when you are in a staff level, um, you are one of the main players. And when you're in a command area, you command troops. So I have been in both categories where I have been a operations sergeant where I was the operations person to, in an example, when I was in Kabbalah. I was an operations provost marshal, so I was in charge uh, on the battlefield, uh, the city of Kabbalah, where I commanded the, the SWAT teams, the raid teams, the, uh, the jail facility, the law desk, the convoy. Mm-hmm. I commanded all these individuals within uh, 50,000 people for 43 miles. So I did all these things, but I was also searching for our Iraqi, fifth, Iraqi 10, so the, the 10 most wanted, where we had Saddam Hussein and his uh, Royal Republican Guard generals. So we searched for them in our area. So, so that being what that said, then I was, before that, I was in a command. So I was the boss of that operations person. Wow. So, um, so it's, it's just one of those things. When you are a staff, you are responsible for a certain division, uh, office, um, sale. And when you're in a staff, staff uh, command area, you're the actual head NCO of all. So I was the head NCO of my organization. I was the number one NCO of my organization. Uh, Okay, wow. (laughs) And so when we hear the term highly decorated, again, I know you don't talk about these things, but I want everybody to know. Uh, what does that mean? 
to be highly decorated. <laughs> it's me being humble gonna, again. I'm going to make you say it. <laughs> I, I know you are because I was just about to say being at the wrong place at the right time. No. Um, <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> um, wow. I, I, I've, I've got a bronze star with valet. I have a purple heart. Um, I have a series of of twenty eight medals and ribbons. Um, wow! And and most of the ribbons and decorations I've been I've been given three times. Um, oh wow! So it, it's just amazing. Is there room for any more medals? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> no ma'am. Could, no ma'am. Could you be any more decorated? No, you could not. <laughs> no, no. I you know, it's it's one of those things, you know, when we were in the Cold War, you know, you, you used to try to not wear so many decorations because of being airborne, ranger qualified, combat uh you know, ribbons, um, because Russia used to identify you as a this was the kind of person they wanted to take out mm-hmm. because right. he was he's one of the leaders so mm-hmm. and so we still play that same philosophy um so that's one of the reasons why I try not to be um I try to be humble because I want to blend in as I Absolutely. have uh, Absolutely. I blend in for it's all my career it it really right. is. I, right. I I've been so blessed that I I have blended, in. and that's one of the sis. That's one of the dis, disadvantages that I have is because people know me as this person, but they don't know me as the person that I'm running. Um, right. But right. for absolutely for the same reason, but we want that's kept my know. family safe. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly exactly out of necessity. But we, it's your coming out party. We want everybody to know <laughs> and understand. Um, so, so this is why um, I bring up all the medals and accolades, um, because we know our listeners know how much you do for veterans, how much you care about veterans and our troops uh, currently serving, um, and you have for years. And anybody who listened to our shows uh, immediately following what occurred on January the 6th knows that you were, uh, to, to say you were upset is the understatement of the year. Um, but I know that those events and your feelings actually prompted you to run. Can you talk about that a little bit? What about... January 6th made you say, I have to do this. Yes, ma'am. Um, and, and I, and I say that with, with hesitation because it is an emotional thing for me. Um, we lost a law enforcement officer. I lost a brother, a family member, you don't ha- I, you don't have to know his name you don't have to serve with him but law enforcement families all over the world can relate right. when we lose right. one we all 
feel the pain. We mm-hmm. should not have lost not one officer. We should not have been in that situation. Because of right. the things that happened and the sequence of events, these were the things that I was trained to do in the military. Yeah. I would have never, never imagined this happening in my own country. Right. So and this would you would you say that the was it, it was it frustrating for you in particular because you know that there were people like yourself ready as soon as they are given the command to go and help and you know those officers were calling for help repeatedly and and the leadership dropped the ball all the way at the top or or never had the ball yes. to begin with what would talk they, about that a little there were signs from our homeland security desk they heard all the rumble all the chatter that all of your right rings and all of the groups that that are quote being watched but no stepped up to the plate and I truly believe and and, and again it's only my opinion Um, everybody was sounding off but we our last administration tore our Department of Justice down it tore every agency down and no one wanted to lift a finger, no one wanted to be the first to say that the enemy is coming. No one wanted to say we got a bad situation because they were fearing for their job. They were fearing for what if we were wrong. Right. And well, and we saw what happened to Colonel Vindeman, you know, a, a, a whistleblower another highly decorated uh, career, yes. you know, military. Yes. And we saw what happened to him at the hands of the president of the United States, the commander in chief. I mean, what a betrayal, I guess is, I think that's the word you used that day. What a betrayal yes. this was. Yeah. This man, <laughs> you know, our commander in chief, we, he issues the orders we jump. You know, right. that is, that's just something we don't even second guess. But when you have an individual that, that disrespects everybody and the, and the issues and the command and our military and our government, and it, he, destroyed, he destroyed us and he set us back more ways than one to a point right. where money was an issue to the states and yep, right and between between yes it, it and, mm-hmm. and when an individual who is this close to the president and 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 the president basically slaps him and sends him basically demotes him and sends him to the far corners of the world, uh, the man retired. He retired with grace, but he was destined to be a one-star. 
he, he right. was just he there as a stopping post. Yes. Right. He, right. I mean, we plan, everybody plans to retire. This man did not reach his retirement for the simple fact that our commander-in-chief cut his throat. Right. I'm, I'm, just being, I'm just being point blank. The commander-in-chief cut right. his throat. And, and, yes, he did whistle, but he did right. He did right. But it's the yeah. same thing. It's, it's the commander-in-chief did it to the aircraft carrier commander. You know, yeah. The aircraft carrier commander, he demoted him and took him off the yeah. boat. Yes, absolutely. So, so you want to no matter no matter who's in office, if a if a Democrat would have behaved that way, you would be saying the exact same thing. And oh, I would have. I'm I'm certain of that. Absolutely. Wow. Well, I want everybody I mean, to. Um, oh, go ahead. We we lead by example. Dr. McKellar knows as well, and every veteran out there, regardless, I mean, the ones that have lead by example are the Tuskegee pilots, our World War II mm-hmm. vets, our Vietnam vets, mm-hmm. our Desert Storm ones. I mean, we do what we do, and we lead by example, and we have our obligation. There are so many vets, 80 million vets right now are in this country, 80 million mm-hmm. And they're all trained to do 420 jobs, you know, over 420 job skills that, you know, the Army is the largest corporation in the world. And we have a a lot of folks that are trained in many things that can help a lot of people. I'm just one who want to, you know, after the freeze here in Texas, um, and our yeah. families, and we lost yeah. 105 uh, Texans. Mm-hmm. 105, one is too many. Right. But District 6 suffered because yeah. half our district is not as even with the other parts. Right. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. Right. Well, so. I'm glad you, you took us in that direction because I do want to talk about um, the issues, but I really just wanted everybody to hear a little bit more in depth about you because they know you, they love you, but um, they needed to know more. And I'm so glad that you let us talk about it. I know it's not the most comfortable thing in the world for you to talk about, but uh, we no, ma'am. Uh, thank you so much for your service. <laughs> we appreciate you. We are lucky to have you running for this um, Congress seat because it's not Texas congress it's u.s congress so you'll be there for all of us no matter where we live i live in kentucky you'll be there for me um and that's for sure and i know that some of the issues that you really care about um are uh, high-speed internet access for everybody um getting the right jobs in your district but i know that that's a national issue for you as well uh, health care access and access to dental care for veterans and for civilians. Um, I know you're passionate about those issues, and I know that you're passionate about other things too, so I have a question, because uh, I know you don't want the country going the way 
legislatively that Texas seems to be bound and determined to want to go. Um, in Texas right now, in the House, there are two really highly controversial uh, bills. One is no license to carry uh, guns, and the other is a horrible, horrible voter suppression bill, worse than the Georgia voter suppression bill. Uh, what what will happen on those fronts if you're elected to the U.S. Congress? Will, will we see you fighting against that sort of thing specifically? Um, what what's going to be your stance on those two issues in particular in U.S. Congress? You know, the the you gave two good questions. Um, first, I'm the lucky one. If I get to Congress, I'm the lucky one because I work for the people. The first question is guns. We need to have a, uh, you know, here's the situation. If they have a no concealment, that means we're back to the wild, wild west, and everybody is going to be carrying a weapon, and you don't have to be secretive about it being under your jacket. Now you can carry it on your holster, on your leg, on your back, in open sight. Uh, and, and what's going to happen is every law enforcement already is drawing down on all everybody of color, brown, mm-hmm. black. So now everybody's going to draw down on everybody. And, and if, if you really want that to happen, ask any brown and black person how they feel. Look at how many people have died, and look how many people of the age of eight have been killed by police officers mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of, quote, either a weapon or no weapon. Right. Now, you're gonna, now you're giving people the carte blanche to carry a weapon. So guess what? The police are automatically going to come shoot at you regardless because they know that you got a weapon. Mm-hmm. Well, Philando I mean, Castile comes to mind, by the way, uh, at just one of the many people of color who was uh, licensed to carry, uh, had it in his glove compartment, was pulled over and said, I'm going to reach for my glove compartment. I have a a gun that I am licensed to carry, and I'm going to reach for it now to get my license out of there, and they shot him and killed him. Uh, So I take your point. And also I have to correct you, and I don't like correcting you. Even in the wild, wild west, they weren't allowed to carry in cities (laughs) because everybody knows that common sense tells you if you're carrying a gun around, you can go around and intimidate and threaten people with it. And bad things can happen. So I know you, you already knew so that, true. and you were just you. saying wild, wild west, but I wanted to put that out there. <laughs> That's why I love you. That's why I love you. And, and, and believe it or oh, not, wow. the only people that, that would not allow you to carry guns were United States Marshals. Right. So, again, the Marshal Service is the oldest law enforcement agency in the country. So, again, yes, you are so true. It's going to go back to that. And, and then your, your, your second question is... Yes, um, voter suppression. 
You know, there. And by the way, I was with you way. when you when you met John Lewis. I don't know if that was your first time or if you had met him before, but I was with you and you were with me the first time I met him, and I've I've that seen you in his presence, and you you look just as much in awe as I did. <laughs> so I know how much you respected him for sure. But please do talk about voter suppression. I, I just know you're going to mention him in that. <laughs> you know, John Lewis, uh, he's one of my mentors, and, and, and this was my fourth time because of wow. having the, the, the pleasure of escorting Dr. McKellar to the Congressional Black Caucuses. Every mm-hmm. year, we were mm-hmm. honored to see some wonderful people, and he was always, always approachable, and, mm-hmm. and he always, and if he remembered you, and, and, and mm-hmm. I was just lucky, I was just lucky, he remembered me, and, and yes, you were right, you saw me with my mouth open because Yes. <laughs> Here, I don't think, I don't think I'm nobody, but he remembered me because he, yeah. he respects people who sacrifice and protect others. This mm-hmm. was one of his beliefs of, of, of my dedication to Dr. McKellar and, mm-hmm. and willing to sacrifice my life to save her for she can do her job and not worry. He understood that. He understood it firsthand. Yeah. So when yeah. you talk about voter suppression, uh, mm-hmm. Georgia did the most wonderful thing that they can give to John Lewis was the gift of one of the last wishes that he wanted for all of us. Georgia did it, and it's only a matter of time for Texas to do it. But if we keep doing these, these hurdles and walls and barriers, this is just another way for the Republican Party and, and the uh, first American cow, uh, caucus party, oh, yeah. just another way of them just um, blocking us. Uh, you, you know, you can block us all you want. With the, with the, we always were the largest party. We always were mm-hmm. the largest race. We just did not vote because we were told and we were taught. But you got folks who've had enough. Our right. our senior citizens, our middle mm-hmm. class, our upper class, our uh, next millenniums. Our babies mm-hmm. can't wait to vote. So right. no matter what they do, people are going to stand up to the plate it's and pushing vote. Us. So if I, I mean, understand you correctly, it sounds to me like you're, uh, the biggest gift they could have given to John Lewis was to pass that ridiculous, horrible voter suppression bill so that Congress would pick up the John Lewis voter rights bill. And you think you they're go. going to go for it? You think they're going to do it? And and if you're there, you're going to make sure they do it. <laughs> oh, I'm going to make sure they do it until God takes me for the rest of my remaining life. I will continue that fight. 
You know, one of the blessings that I have is I was born in 1960, so I know, I know the difference. I know what it's all about, and I know what suppression is firsthand. You know, one of the, the abilities of being in California, you witness everything and anything, even at a young age, and... I'm just blessed, and those were the greatest days of my life, being around Motown. You know, it's the Motown (laughs) era, and that's what we call, but it's old school. And and that's really what what I'm really about. I'm old school, and and that's really what I want to bring. You know, we change the name on everything and anything, but old school lives forever. My grandfather said it. My father said it. And, and and I'm laughing now because I'm saying it, um, <laughs> you know. And my grandkids so common sense say back it. to basics, huh? <laughs> there you go. There you go. You know, it treat others as you want to be treated. You know, right? And, and that's that's how it is. And that's what really why I, I want to run. Um, I, I'm not into I'm not into breaking the law. I'm in the and, and correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe it's a deal breaker, but I'm into bending it because of the simple fact, let's get the job done because it's only common sense. We have to bring everybody together. If we've got to stay overnight, we've got to bend this rule. No one's saying that you've got to break the law. That's the wrong thing to do because now you push into a pattern that you can't go back. Mm-hmm. But we all bend the rules no matter what we do to get the job done. We're so Americans. That's what we do. <laughs> good trouble you're talking about? <laughs> good trouble. That's really what it's all about. That's the only thing I know, and, I, and I'm good at it, and I'm a natural. I know how to be <laughs> in good trouble, and I know how to put out fires. I've done it That's all right. my life. That's right. Uh, and now I want to bring a couple more things up because uh, we're approaching the top of the hour, and I don't know how long you're with us, but uh, in case you have to go at the top of the hour, I want to bring up um, a couple more things that I know you're passionate about. Uh, Sandra Bland, the Sandra Bland Law, um, and I know you you would like to see reforms in the Sandra Bland law uh, that was passed into law through the Texas legislature. And you want to see uh, some reforms and you want to see that passed in at the federal level. Can you talk about that um, and, and what yes. you want to see the reforms there? I, I, I was a part of the Sandra Bland, part of that an initial, the investigation, yes. the, uh, and, and and I was a part of the results, so I, I'm honored to be a part of that, and I even had the pleasure in meeting her mother and 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 became good friends. Um, and I respect her and and I respect and I carry her loss as a friend. Right. Right. So what's happening now, George Floyd and everything? It's a start. It's a start 
for a long beginning of healing. But we've got to move. We've got to. We've got a, a long ways to go. Yeah. But it is a start of healing, and it is in the, in the right form. We've got to form outside committees that mm-hmm. that are are not politically generated, and they yeah. can't be hired. They can't be paid. Um, it isn't about the dollar. It's about what's right. Um, right. And so completely in independent. Form, oh yes. Oh yes. Okay. I'm all for the complete independent. That's what we bought. The federal government is good about bringing. You know, even if it takes so long, the federal government's good about that, and that's what I'm about. Uh, I want independent counsel. I want Department of Justice to come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thing I want to do is bring Department of Justice in because Department of Justice has a policy. They have a format. Right. It, regardless of where, what the largest agencies are from New York to Los Angeles, I respect all of them. But they're all now getting on board with their shooting teams, with independent counsel, with independent grand juries. They're all getting on board, and we still have a long ways to go, you know. Yeah. Um, and now I see that uh, our our other brother Ron Spikes is on, and it looks like he has a question or two for you. Hey, oh Ron, my welcome. goodness! <laughs> <laughs> hey, sir, Major, how you doing? I am so fine. I am so fine and blessed. Thank you so much for what you do and, and being a part of this team. Yeah, I'm taking you up to the top. You notice I say, Sergeant Major. I already know that. I already know that. So I already know I'm going to get a beat down. I already know that. No, you're not <laughs> going to get a beat one. down. I'm glad to hear that, that you actually got there. Thank you, Rihanna, for opening the line. I heard of him out course. there talking, and I was just amazed at what all he was saying. It just kind of took me back and from the first time I heard him and the first time I met him. I met him in preview. That's right. He's still, he's still saying the same thing from the time I met him <laughs> till up until this point. He's still saying the same thing. Still and hasn't changed. Very, yeah, it's, you, that consistency has always been there. Yeah, There's yeah. very few people in life that you run across like that. So, right. I just want to chime That's in right. for a minute. I'm just enjoying the conversation, and I'm glad I looked at the time and I said, let me let me just go over there for just a few minutes. And when I heard the dialogue, I I, I just had to stay on. <laughs> You're the man. Well, You're the man. <laughs> but first, Sergeant, you keep doing what you're doing. I think that you're going down the right path. Of all the people yeah. that I know that maybe have thought of going into politics, you're probably the, the, the one that mostly deserves that. And I'll tell you the reason why I say that. I say that because if you're going, to, if you're going somewhere and running for office, you 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 gotta make you you can't go in there and just just get on you can't go in there and just get on board and say everything's all right you know what I'm saying you mm-hmm. have to make yeah. some waves this is a democracy and anybody that, that thinks that democracy is smooth they definitely we, we're running we're in the wrong government 
It should be where everybody has an opinion. Everybody's fighting for the people that they came there for. And it shouldn't be run smooth. Yeah. When it's smooth, there's problems. Yeah. So anyway. That is a true fact. That is a true fact. And you're so true, Ron. Well, I just yes. wanted to say, Chief, I, I wanted to step, jump in there and piggyback on behind uh, what Chief Spikes is, is saying and and to bring out the fact that military people, they don't look at what party affiliation that you're mm-hmm. in. And I was I was saying this to a group, uh, Chief Spikes, on, this pa- on last Thursday when I spoke at um, – at, at a Smith County Republican Women's Luncheon. And I told them how much that I appreciated uh, city government. I mean, I like all forms of government, obviously, city government, county, and federal government. I said, but, but what I like as a trained military personnel is that we don't ask you what party affiliation that you're in. Yeah, we all have one. Everybody have theirs. Uh, well, I say everybody. Most people have a party affiliation, right? But when we're out there on the battlefield, and you know this, Chief, you're a military man as well, we don't ask you what party you're in. We want to know if you can fire that weapon, if you got my back, and if you know the mission. And as long as you know those things and how to get to that other side, then those are the kind of people that we that we need in office because some people, all they think about is taking care of the person who has an R behind their name or a person who has a D behind their name. But military people are out there to take care and serve all people. And so I'm glad you Mm -hmm. brought that uh, in, that he is the person for that job, because I absolutely 100% agree that he is the person for that job. Trained to lead, and so I'll follow him because I know he's going to lead us in the right direction. Thank you, Chief, and thank you, Ms. Rihanna. You know, Rihanna, is there one thing I can, if I can piggyback on this, uh, you know, we, we are exposed to all type of veterans, soldiers, sailors, airmen, regardless of what they do offbeat. So transvestite, we, we, we LGBT, we identify, are you a soldier? Are you a warrior? Can you do the job? One of my awards in preparation for Iraq was I, I had my people train not just in one additional skill, but I gave them three additional skills so they were more than ready on the battlefield. The, the mobilization commander, the base commander of Fort Lewis, gave me an award and basically said my organization was the best that he's ever seen in his entire career that was ready for war. And it was, it was about preparation. And I just want to be, I, I'm grateful for the exposure that Dr. McKellar, yourself, the chief, Block Talk has gave me because being a warrior, I, I'm going to tell you, I did not, I wasn't a politician. I didn't care about, I was a soldier. That was my right. first mission to God and country. I did not start thinking about the politics until I start being guilty by association 
and realize mm-hmm. that I am a Democrat. But before all that, <laughs> I didn't care because it wasn't a part of my life. It was about taking right. care of the troops. Texas right. is my home. Texas is my troop, and, and, and that's how I look at it. Every mm-hmm. grandchild that I have, I will treat equal to every grandchild that's out there. Every brother that I have is just equal to every brother and sister that I have that's blood. I treat everybody the same, and and I will be the first one in the office, and I'll be the last one, even if it is in D.C. or Texas. We got a long ways to go, and and mm-hmm. and I need to take care of the people. They deserve it, and they deserve better. So if I right. sound passionate if I sound like I'm mad, yeah, I'm mad, uh, but I've got enough madness in me that I'm motivated to do the job. And and right. I didn't want to put out my skill level, but you did it. <laughs> I'm blaming you. I have And to. I love you for that. <laughs> I love you for that. <laughs> well, well, I have well, to. Somebody had to. One more time, Ms. Rihanna. This is of the course. time for people to know and understand what your skill level is, and that's why I keep mm-hmm. iterating and reiterating uh, that, mm-hmm. that military personnel is trained for that and uh, trained to lead, rather. So all of these skill sets that you have only just prepared you uh, to hold this seat. And so push those skill sets out there to let the people know that you have had the experience, that you have led, mm-hmm. that you have command, and that you have run mm-hmm. operations uh, to make sure that people remain safe, and that's what you do in Congress. Run these operations to make sure that the people back down, the troops back down here in the field uh, are safe and that you're up there working on our behalf to make sure that we have great health care, that we have uh, great growth in our communities, and it's spread across the board. Uh, you, you're not there to, to legislate morality or anything else there, like that. You, you want to make sure that every single thing that we deserve to have in America, that it's across the board, that equity and equality for all mankind. I know you're going to make sure that we get that first, Sergeant. Thank you so much. Yes, and, ma'am. And Ms. Yes, ma'am. I digress, and I give it back to you. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, and I do – at this point, I want to um, let everybody know uh, we're doing an evening with First Sergeant Daryl Eddings Sr. tonight. Uh, it was a pressing issue because this is kind of a weird election, a weird situation that happened. Um, so it's a special election. This election day is May 1st. Early elections started today in Texas, and it goes through April 27th. So all you Texans out there, you can um, go vote early for this election. This election uh, takes place on May 1st, but, but from today until April 27th, you can go vote for First Sergeant Daryl Eddings Sr. for U.S. Congress, Texas District 6. Um, so please remember those dates. I'll say them again at the end. But we have somebody else on with us, too, who is also a candidate who we're going to have to do an evening with coming up soon. 
um, Pastor Michael Cooper, who's running for Texas <laughs> governor, and <laughs> he and First Sergeant are so good together that I want to bring him on and get him in the mix now, too. <laughs> so welcome, Pastor Cooper. Well, thank you, Miss Rihanna, for having me. Hello, uh, First Sergeant. I tell you what, I love listening to the interview. You know, it was amazing. I read the uh, the flyer on Facebook, and I knew we were going to have an e- evening with you, but you know, when you have a team like yourself and a leader like yourself, and I'm glad uh, Ms. Rihanna really pushed you to talk to uh, the audience about who you are and what you represent. So uh, me and Arthur was texting back and forth. Uh, even though we weren't on the show, we were still on the show. And uh, that's how we support one another, our brothers and sisters that's out there fighting the race for us because uh, a vote for you is a vote for ourselves, and you represent us well tonight. Thank you for doing so. Thank you, Governor. I, I I appreciate you, and I love you for that. And I I will be honored, and I and I will truly give you two hundred and ten percent. You know, folks, what what my sister didn't talk about is you need to help the governor and myself look at our web pages. You know, this this race that we're running, I'm running. In District 6, the governor is all over, all 126 counties, I believe. You know, gas, volunteers, 264 counties. I knew I would be corrected. (laughs) I guess that must be, okay, yep, okay. Thank you. It's your mother, 254 counties. I already know. Thanks, Mom. I already knew that. But uh, I knew I was going to get corrected. You see, you see, audience, that's what this radio station is all about. It ain't nothing but love. Can't you yeah. feel it? So, yeah. you know, you can say something wrong and still be right and say something right and still be yeah. wrong, but it's nothing but love. Yeah. But we need help. Please look at our web page. Please. Mine is E-D-D-I-N-G-S, Eddings for Congress, and please donate whatever you can donate. Please break that piggy bank. My grandchildren have, so please donate because they support Paul Paul. And I need your support to get to Washington because I'm working for you. So please help me, and I'm gonna let I'm gonna turn it over to the governor. Well, and I want you to write back and. Uh yourself and uh, our friend, Dr. Shirley McKellar, because you, your election is going on right now. I, I, we have to March 3rd, 2022 for me, so we're good to go. So we're going to push you guys tonight. Early uh, voting started today. Is it the same thing in East Texas? That is correct. <laughs> there we go. So, And that was just a setup so y'all can say that. Uh, anyway, uh, we <laughs> wanted you to make sure that you go and vote for someone that is qualified. I'm talking about as your city councilwoman, Dr. Shirley McKellar. Listen, if you had a candidate to ran for the United States uh, Congress, you know they're qualified to be your councilwoman. Now, you've experienced it for a little while. You need to have it for the whole term, the whole season, the, uh, in some cases the rest of your life. You need to make sure that you have someone that's sitting down in City Hall. I heard a guy say years ago, all politics is local politics. It does not matter what the law is if you don't have anyone in local politics carrying out the laws and making sure the laws on the books are to your advantage and your benefit. 
So I am here today as your future governor of Texas saying, you need a warrior and a fighter in East Texas. Her name is Dr. Shirley McKellar. And, and I want to piggyback on that. For someone who I've been by my side, and I know how she is, been on the battlefield, we've been at Brook Army Hospital with the troops. We have been nonprofits. We have been all over this country, yeah. from the east to the west. You can't get a better person representing the city of Tyler. I, I, I wish that we had this person I ain't going to tell you where, but anywhere other than Tyler. Tyler, you are fortunate to have Dr. Shirley McKellar. I wish she was in the Dallas area. I wish she was running for Congress. Uh, she is truly an incredible person, and I am honored that she is my godmother. I am truly honored. Thank you, First Sergeant. That's great. I'm going to jump in there and, and talk a little bit about uh, about the governor. And let me just share with you guys that he's all over the place. And so this past Friday and Saturday, we had a clinic set up. And I don't know if Dr. Richard Hadney is on the line or not, but we had we had the governor and we had our, my brother, Mr. Arthur, to come into Tyler, Texas, and the, and we were able to take photographs of the governor getting his. Uh, vaccine there people got a chance to to meet this this person they had to look way up there to the ceiling uh in order to <laughs> him. everybody was saying who is that who is that who? and i said to them but you should already know who he is because he ran for lieutenant governor and i want more of you to get involved and get out there in the community and know what's going on because as the cooper just said all politics is local so everything starts right there. You may, First Sergeant will be in Congress uh, in Washington, D.C., but he'll be covering District 6. That's right there in, in Fort Worth, Dallas-Fort Worth area. He'll be covering from uh, Ellis County to Navarro County to Tarrant County. That's all local politics. So people must get involved so they'll know what's going on. So it was an honor to have uh, Pastor Cooper come down and be with us uh, this past weekend uh, to push uh, encouraging people to get their vaccines. Uh, we were there yes. with uh, Dr. Richard Hatton and myself and yes. Mr. Arthur and all of the great people. We had people coming in from out of from uh, Henderson, uh, Texas, all the way in here. So I'm just going to drop this, and then we're going to go back and let Ms. Rihanna continue her interview. But let me just tell you this. Uh, the COVID-19 vaccines is better than death. And so I know that everybody understands death, and we've had a lot of that in the black and brown community. And so I encourage people to get that vaccine. That's the only way that we're going to mitigate. We can't force anybody. We can't make them get it. But, uh, but slowly but surely, we can mitigate, mitigate this COVID-19 if, if we can get the bulk of the people Amen. in this country vaccinated. Yeah. Thank Amen. you. Amen. We'll hear from Very good. But go ahead, Ms. Rihanna. I'll turn it back over to you. I just wanted to make mention of Dr. Uh, of Pastor Cooper coming in to Tyler to be with us this weekend as we work toward getting those vaccines out to the black and brown community. Ms. Rihanna, back to you. Absolutely. Um, and right now I see that our our friend and brother Arthur Fleming is on, and I bet he has a couple of questions himself. I don't mean to put you on the spot, Arthur, but come on in here 
if you have anything that you want to add or ask, welcome. I want to say good evening and uh, every interview. I've been listening. Uh, I've been on since the beginning of the show, so I'm just listening. You did a great job, so I picked up. I posted Thank up. you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you for that. Um, and I want to ask a question to both of you, and I want the two of you to dialogue on it a little bit because it's something near and dear to both of you. Um, Pastor Cooper, you are your background is in psychology, uh, among other things. <laughs> but one of the oh, hats yeah. you wear is uh, psychology. Um, and I know, First Sergeant, you have been involved and you're passionate about um, mental health resources uh, for all citizens, but in particular for veterans. Um, yes, ma'am. I want the two of you to imagine uh, that the stars align and people who uh, – actually should get out and vote, will get out and vote, and you both easily win your seats. Um, Talk policy and mental health and um, what are the changes we need to see? What are the focuses that we need to see? And what are the the things that are being neglected with regard to mental health and in particular mental health for veterans in the in in those capacities, um, Pastor Cooper, the the governor of Texas, uh, what's being neglected? What policies would you uh, be advocating and pushing for? And same to you, First Sergeant, for uh, Congress. Well, you know, uh, like someone said earlier, uh, we've been going. In, well, it's another Zoom uh, Democratic Party for being like uh, since uh, Dr. Troy McKellar was saying earlier. I'm all over the place, so if I'm, you don't see me physically, you see me on Zoom. Sometimes I'm physically somewhere and also on the Zoom. And uh, one of the things we're dealing with is the homelessness uh, in, in Austin. You go underneath the, 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 the bridge here, I think it's on 6th Street. Uh, it should be a beautiful area, and you would think where the governor lives that that would be a priority to, to clean up the streets and deal with the veterans. They're dealing with mental illness. There are a lot of mental illness uh, hospitals that have closed down. Uh, are not dealing with that anymore. That should be our, our number one priority uh, when it comes to mental illness. The other thing is that I don't use the word defund the police department because I don't want people to think that we want to uh, uh, take away. If anything, we want to add to it because I have a god brother uh, that has been dealing with mental illness since he was born. Uh, his fight was to, to live and not die, and we only not only got him to live and not die, but he got to graduate high school, and he outlived. Uh, he was one of the first uh, young men, and I think his mother was one of the first people that's addicted to crack cocaine. You know, opioid is an addiction in the pandemic, but also there was an issue in the African-American community, this little drug called uh, crack. Uh, we, we heard uh, the singer, Whitney Houston, famous for crack is whack, you know, but it's real. And so he was born this way with mental illness, and he's one of those folks that could have easily lost his life uh, when the uh, police officers uh, approach him at a, a convenience store or at his parents' home on the outside. If he didn't take his medicine, yeah. they would call the cops. So we need someone to ride with the officer when we know it's an issue so that we can have someone mm-hmm. that's able and, and certified to deal with this. So that, that doesn't mean be fine. That means to expand and improve mm-hmm. upon the police department. There you go. Yeah. Excellent. I, I, have, I have to agree with Pascal. Um, we have to educate those, uh, the dispatcher, uh, the law enforcement, 
You know, we need to have those supervisors who who supervise the lower Indians, the lower echelon, and, and no disrespect to the Indians. Um, I'm not saying, but we need to we need to have the supervisors trained in in to identify PTSD. Go to education, go to school. We're not saying that they need to be shrinks. We're not saying that they need to be qualified, but they need to have the basics to understand what our veterans and anybody who is suffering from mental health, because not everybody is able to take their medicine on a day-to-day basis. You know, you fall Mm -hmm. short on one day and skip a second, and by the time it kicks in, you're already three days behind. So it happens. We need to have the training and the exposure and, of course, we need to have the buildings. We have to have the medical staff to include where we can take folks that need help, not chained up, not locked up, but in a supervised, comfortable area. You know, in order to deal with anybody, you have to make them comfortable. They have to understand you. That's why a veteran can relate to a veteran. You don't send a cop dealing with a veteran when that cop ain't never been a veteran because that veteran is going to outpower that cop. So because you, you don't have two dogs fighting when, when they just need to talk. One needs to talk and one needs to listen and you, it's, you can be amazed what happens. So my support is education and, and buildings. And as a government, I, I want to bring a lot of those programs back. I want to make the VA even better than what it is. Uh, that's the reason why the, uh, the Mental Health Advocate Council was, was put together because yeah. it is the, and this is what Dr. McKellar's vice president, Mr. Johnson is, uh, you know, this is, we are the middle support between the veterans and the doctors. We ensure yeah. that everybody is brought in the middle and everybody understands everybody's uh, guidelines, everybody's rules, everybody's lane. That's, that's a real big part. Everybody needs to start with everybody's lane so we stay in those lanes. And, mm-hmm. and no one steps on nobody's feet. Very so, good. So, Ms. Brown, can you said I jump you in were, question? Oh, go ahead. Please. No. Can you remember that? Hold, hold that point right there. Um, for, I'm, I'm glad that First Sergeant brought out the uh, Mental Health Advocacy Council, where, for which he served on that council yeah. as well. And so what he is saying, and I totally agree, is that veterans relate well to veterans. And sometimes when you have uh, caregivers or physicians or medical personnel who works in the veterans affairs system who have not been there, who are not veterans, who maybe don't quite understand what a veteran has dealt with, uh, that it, that is experiencing PTSD, or it may be experiencing military sexual trauma, or whatever issues that they may have experienced within the the military system, out there on the battlefield, and whatever. So when he says that they need to stay in their lanes, they need to understand. They just may just need to listen to what that veteran is saying because they have a story and they have a message, 
and you have to have that keen ear that's open that be able so that you can be able to relate to him. Many who have not served don't quite understand some of the issues that veterans have gone through. So I'm not saying that we should not have uh, none veterans that work within the system, but I agree with First Sergeant, you got to listen, just listen. And sometimes that may be all that that veteran needs is for somebody to just sit and listen. They may not even be looking for an answer, but they know they have a voice that they can just, in other words, they need to vent whatever has happened to them. And I just wanted to throw that in there, Ms. Rihanna. Thank you very much for that. Rihanna, that's what makes Pastor Cooper. It it truly is. That's what makes Pastor Cooper so element. That's That's what he makes this governorship so beautiful because that's where we need to just listen. He knows listen. what to that's do. It. And that's healthy. He's, that's listening. Oh, my goodness. That's it. That, that's man. That's half the battle. That's, that's half the battle. That is the battle because we, we know what to do, but we need to have somebody who's in the foreplay of the forefront of and being governor he will make a perfect governor because he has spent most of his life not just fighting, but listening, listening to what God, listening to the people. I'm sorry. I'm just put it out there. 60% of my adult life I've been listening to people cry and talk about these issues. And so, again, like we said, and uh, uh, Brother Arthur always talking about what's the voice of moral authority, and we said we're no longer waiting uh, for invitation to the table. We're going to the to the Capitol with our own table, with our own issues, and this is one of our issues right here. And we have to deal with it because it, it, it really reflects our community or how, how poorly we handle our community. When we have a governor that says that he's not going to send funds to your city because you mentioned words like defund the police department or, or, or you have an issue with policing, well, that's not freedom of speech. That, that's a threat to your democracy, a threat to our, our, uh, our constitution. When somebody tells me I can't complain or say something against things that are out of order. So I say our governor's out of order, and we need to check him. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> I He's agree. out of order. <laughs> I will do everything in my power as a government level to get money to Texas. I will do everything in my power. And that there will be go. across party lines. Across party Imagine lines. Imagine it. Imagine that, uh, Miss Rihanna. I'm going to jump back in for a second. I think I think I heard a little chuckle from uh, Dr. Hackney. He may have some words and some comments that he'd like to ask these two amazing candidates. And if so, Dr. Hackney, you can jump in there because well, I know. Oh, well, hello. Yeah, go right ahead. Good evening. I have really enjoyed <laughs> the two candidates and discussions. And what I'm very excited about is every individual who's going to be out there on the front line who understands what's needed out there, but also they're going to be outspoken. I'm just so proud to work with him. I also really appreciate uh, Cooper uh, coming through uh, for our site there on uh, Friday and Saturday, as Dr. McCullough said. Uh, what I'm so excited about these gentlemen is that they understand as we when we form this north, uh, this northeast Texas healthcare task force, they recognize why all why the task force, why all these members we have in this task force are there, and they're going to take this to the governor's office, also to Washington D.C. Because when we looked at this initial early on, we recognized there was a lack of infrastructure, and that and that we we built that in in this task force with these with this immunization program. 
I'm so excited on it. They understand the significant role of task force. They understand uh, working together. You mentioned the mental health group. We have a person on there for mental health, and they understand that. They understand the significance of all force, and they mildly they understand health care. I, I, recommend, I recommend everybody go on. All the candidates should have some understanding of health care. So I'm just very excited about uh, their positions uh, that they're, they're going to be in. I'm also in, excited about the impact on equity and the disparity of health care. They're going to help play a major role in that. So and I want everybody to understand that and support these guys. So I'm just excited to know them, to work with them, and, and for them to also to understand the significance of, of infrastructure. Dr. Hagman, it was great and my pleasure meeting you Friday. And uh, I noticed you had your own table. So we're going to invite you to the Capitol when we get down in Austin <laughs> to the table, and we're going to let you set up. We're going to let you set up, my brother. We appreciate your it, work. Yeah. Matter of fact, uh, Ms., uh, uh, Glenda was my nurse, 36-year veteran, retired nurse. Y'all, let me tell you something. She said, one, two, three, six. When it was two, she stuck me. I didn't even feel it, so she didn't even get to three. And I think it was painless. You need to come by. And these rumors that people, uh, amen, and these rumors that people put out there are not true. One of the reasons why I put off, and, and Brother Arthur tried to call me out on, but that's okay. He's my brother. He's quiet now. I'm going to take advantage of the floor. Uh, he, he says, all you guys is waiting for the uh, uh, one shot, Johnson Johnson, and, and, and then later on, uh, th- there were some issues, but I still think it's still fine, but that's fine. We're going to follow CDC guidelines. But one reason why I was waiting for that is because I move around so much. But what I found out after talking to my nurse, and you need to ask your nurse, your nurse practitioners, and your doctor's questions if you don't understand. And I told them I had a concern. We're coming back and returning from my other shot. And she said, as long as you go beyond the 21-day wait period, you're okay. I thought I had a window after that. So I would have taken my shot a lot earlier, a lot sooner, so we need to get the right information out there. And so, Dr. Hagman, uh, uh, I thank you for doing that. Thank you again. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. And, and, and you know something, Pastor Cook, can I, I want to jump back in, Ms. Rihanna. Education is the key, and it's our job to give away education. Education is not to be kept within our brains and our minds. It's to give away so that people will know the correct message that's put out. If you have people that's putting out wrong information, they're not paying attention to the scientists and the medical personnel that Pastor Cooper just mentioned, that's why we went to school and sat in classrooms 10, 15 years and then continuing to re-educate ourselves over and over and over so that we can keep all the new medical science. We, Dr. Hagner, we've read We've read these uh, these layouts of what these vaccines are about, and so people are giving a lot of false information. So we want to make sure, even on this show and all of our networks across the week, that we get the right information out there so that our people know that these vaccines are safe and that they will be safe. Now, let me keep this, let's keep this in mind that each and every one of us have a different DNA. So I tell, I use this example quickly all the time. I said, I am allergic to amoxicillin. That's a, penicillins are great drugs, right? That's some of the greatest drugs, just like aspirin is one of the great drugs that had to go through the same clinical trials long years ago. It may not, amoxicillin may do nothing for no one else on this show, but when I took amoxicillin, my, my airways tried to close up and I landed in the hospital for seven days. That does not mean that amoxicillin is a bad drug. That means it's bad for me, right? 
So every single person's DNA and their body is not the same. So therefore, somebody may have an allergic reaction uh, to just like they may have an allergic reaction to their diabetes medication, their hypertensive medication, any drug, right, Dr. Hagney? That's right. Any drug. So these vaccines, all we're telling you is these vaccines have been studied and they're safe. Back to you, Ms. Rianta. Dr. Hackney, I want to make it officially and publicly known, because of this task force, you've all educated me so much in this that I had went outside the box and went to an Army base and got both my shots, and I did it two months ago. So thank you for educating me. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Very good. Very good. And well, for those veterans and, that are listening out there, Ms. Rihanna, just let them know you can go no, to the VA hospital and get your vaccine. Yes, they can. Or you can get it, or you can get it right mm-hmm. here in the community. You don't even have to leave out of your community to get it because we're pushing it out there to the black and brown community. And our next site, let me just mention this quickly, Ms. Rihanna, if you don't mind, our next site will be set up at Texas College because now Dr. Hagney and I are focusing on the HBCUs. We want to make sure yes. that the historical black colleges, Ooh. our students, when they get ready yes. to go back uh, to yeah. school, that they will be prepared because they're ready not to continue to have. It's okay if you need to take classes online. I've, I've taken hybrid classes. I've taken online classes. But I love sitting in the classroom being able to raise my hand and ask professor a question. So, therefore, yeah. We're going to prepare yes, these they're students. coming. They're coming. Yep. The cavalry is coming. <laughs> the cavalry is coming. That's exactly right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Dr. Hagney. I don't know if you were finished or not. I just not wanted to, I just, we, we're very excited about HBCU, Texas College here, and we have several here in East Texas. But, you know, historically, when we talk about the black church role it played in our, our community, also the historical black colleges have played a very significant role in our history. So we're very excited about going to Texas College and involved with the groups and the students and also looking, because our future leaders are in these colleges. They're exposed to the researchers and with these vaccine development, these vaccines, healthcare positions. So we're going to be very excited about that because uh, we're going to expose uh, healthcare uh, careers to them because one fact we're recognizing there is a need to have more minority healthcare professionals. As we talked about diversity in healthcare, we need to uh, we need to grow the number and bring attention to healthcare careers for our young folks. So we're going to be very excited about that. So after that exposure, I hope to see some future physicians, dentists, nurses, pharmacists, whatever, come out of Texas College because of the exposure uh, the day we'll be over there. Excellent, excellent. And I I just want to thank everyone uh, on this line right now talking about this vaccine. Uh, and the vaccination opportunities and going out and educating people and encouraging people uh, for this kind of leadership um, and for caring so much about people that, that it's worth your time to repeat, you know, over and over again and create these opportunities for people uh, to become educated and to get these vaccines. And I, I just think it's, um, it's tremendous leadership and it's, it's very telling of, your characters, that you love people, that you care about people, that you respect people and want them to have the, the accurate information. Um, and I think I'm basically saying this uh, because it's in stark contrast to an article 
I just sent to Dr. McKellar that I, I saw um, that it's revealed today that um, counties, let's see the headline, counties that voted for Donald Trump are less likely to get the COVID vaccine. And that just made me so sad to see that, that people really trusted this person and this person really misled them about something so life or death. And it's just in such contrast to um, to everybody on this line, Dr. Hagney coming on every week and talking over and over again about the vaccine um, and Pastor Cooper and First Sergeant, Dr. McKellar. So thank you for your leadership and for caring so much about this. It's just so important. Thank and you. thank you for I, I just saw that article and, and what's so sad about this, what's so tragic about this is that these people are listening to a non medical person who has yes. never sat in a classroom to learn anything about medicine and I'm not sure how many other classrooms he sat in, but I won't go there with that either. I'm just saying that that's why it's so important to listen to people like Dr. Richard Hagney. Yes. This is the medical personnel uh, about uh, these vaccines. Or just go ahead and study them for yourself. Read about them. All the material is out there about every single one of these vaccines. And so, and I and I tell uh, the people in the, in the black community that we're so blessed that we had a black female at the top of the chain that was working with these vaccines. And I also want to mention this quickly is that, yes, I understand about uh, the Tuskegee experiment and all of that, but this is the 21st century. This is a new day, and, and, and we got smart people making sure that those kinds of things that happened long ago no longer exist in this country. We got people black and brown people at the front of the line working with these vaccines. Ms. Rihanna. Well, the beautiful thing about science is that you can, um, even if you're not a particularly scientifically uh, literate person, uh, there are lots of, of uh, mediums and outlets out there that can dissect the information directly from scientific and medical journals. Um, mm -hmm. so you can find out and by find out, I don't mean just Google it and take the first thing that pops up, but you can find, Google it and find credible sources. Um, That's right. There are, you can get it directly That's from true. the scientific journals. You, you know what's That's in the vaccine right to the last drop. That's right. And um, the, all that information is accessible to you out there. And if you um, don't feel comfortable reading directly from the scientific journals, which, you know, most of us probably don't feel, <laughs> feel like we understand every word, but uh, there are credible sources out there that can dissect that information um, and give it, give it to you in um, easy-to-chew bites. <laughs> so please do <laughs> for credible sources yes. when you research for yourself. Well, thank Rihanna, you, Ms. You go ahead. Yes, go right ahead. I was, just, I was just saying, can you verify that today is the first day where I think they opened up the vaccines to every group? It doesn't matter. Right. Long as, I think you're above the age of 16. 
16. That's correct. That's, right. That's correct. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Well, well let, let me just tell you this, Pastor Cooper. Uh, Dr. Hagney and I opened it up to everybody before today. But, yes. Well, we know that. Because <laughs> y'all are good trouble. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 I knew we that. That's why it. I drove through in that yep. There we go. Been in that room. Been in that room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Open yep. to everyone. That's why we wanted to take it to the community and open it up to everybody. And let me just share with you guys, and we're going to have this uh, client on with us, talking to us. But we brought a young lady, age 12 years of age, 13. Well, she's still 12, right, Dr. Hackney? She was the first person down here in East Texas who was diagnosed with COVID-19, and she was the very first person in the world to get in her age group to get uh, rindesivir, which was the uh, convalescent plasma. She got the same thing that Trump received. They had to put send her up, put her in an ambulance and quickly get her up to Dallas, Texas, to Children's Hospital, and she was able to receive that convalescent plasma that saved her young life. And she talked about her story. We brought her into our, our clinic this past weekend. Uh, and let me tell you, her story was amazing. She was there with us on Friday. So you have to Google her, Carla Locke, L-O-C-K-E. And out of the uh, Tyler newspaper, she was all across the television, everywhere, telling her story about how she almost died. This young lady has a story to tell. And when I say she was the first in the world, not not just in Texas, not just in America, in the world to get the plasma in her age group, and it saved her life. Incredible. <laughs> it was incredible. Well, it, oh, uh, go ahead. I just want to mention there, when we talk about information, CDC, they have excellent information programs, and they have toolkits and they have really established their information. So individuals can go to CDC website and get all the information. But with this age expansion, it's just, it's just a testimony to what we have done in the area of research with, the, with these vaccines. So uh, enormous research, Dr. Cooper um, talked about it, and Dr. Um, Keller mentioned it. The researchers that developed this vaccine has just been amazing. And, again, we need to let the individual know this virus is, this virus is serious. And so uh, yeah. we, uh, it's basically looking for people who really don't have the injections, uh, not getting the injections, because when we think about the variants and how it survives and how it multiplies, that's how it multiplies. So those individuals who do not receive the vaccine, those are the ones that this virus is looking for. So we just need to keep that information out. We need to continue to consistently give correct uh, information out. Don't change the call to hear the percentage of individuals who do not, are not taking it. But we need to continue to uh, keep that correct information going out to the group. And I just want to say the, the, the black pastors in our churches have been enormous benefit for us in setting up these sites and uh, through a lot of the areas of East Texas. Amen. Fantastic. Fantastic. And at this point, it is 10.43 uh, my time, uh, 9.43 Texas time. So I wanted uh, to, unless, Dr. McKellar, unless you have a direction you wanted to go uh, for the last few minutes, I was going to uh, let our uh, our two candidates, um, and we'll end with um, vote for Daryl Eddings Sr. out there. We'll, we'll end with um, Daryl Eddings. But I wanted both candidates to talk about their platforms and give us their their most passionate uh, 
short version of, of a stump speech so that everybody knows where they stand on the issues that are most important to them and give us a little taste of what we would see uh, if, when you're out out doing what you do in public. <laughs> <laughs> that's, very, that's very good. Well, Ms. Brianna, before you, before you bring uh, in uh, Pastor Cooper to give us his uh, stump speech and then we'll end with the federal candidate, um, I just I want to just say, Ms. Rihanna, you've done an amazing job in interviewing these two great candidates, and uh, and well, I you. pushed them 100% outstanding uh, job. And I, and I have one one final question that I, I want to uh, pose to uh, to Pastor Cooper in regards to, um, as you know, Pastor Cooper, here in Texas, we're dealing with the uh, the crisis. Uh, at the border, we listen to it. Of course, this is a federal issue, but it's also a state issue. It's a governor's issue because of the mere fact that, that we have so many of our students, our young children, who are at that border. And uh, as you know, in 2019, we all went there. Uh, First Sergeant and I, we, we get a busload of people down to that border uh, during 2019. And at that particular time, uh, Pastor Cooper, we had... There was 11,500 uh, children at that border that is not talked about. It's not talked about. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't talked about much, the numbers at that particular time. But now all of a sudden, uh, now that we have someone in office here uh, in less than 100 days, and, and we're giving all of those uh, issues, uh, blaming uh, the, the, uh, the person in the administration now, President Biden, we're giving, we're, we're blaming him. And when I say we, I'm talking about we as a country blaming him. But we all remember, we all went to that border, right, in 2019. Right. And we saw these yeah. children in cages, and we saw what was going on down there. We went into the yeah. courtroom, and we saw these parents being brought in the courtroom. And then we saw the children go one direction, and we saw the parents go another direction. So I wanted you to dialogue a little bit on that uh, as you as you're talking to us about your platforms and giving us your stump speech and so forth if you can if you can tell us what your thoughts are and how we can handle because that's another pandemic right I, I keep saying Amen. Amen. pandemic and so we have a yeah. pandemic at the border with the children uh, and then we we just heard recently that the, the um, the large uh, supply, the large number of children that were set up there in Houston, Texas, I think it was about 500 that was in this one location, and they shut that location down is what I was told yeah. in the last 24 hours or so. So as you're talking, if you can dialogue a little bit on that. Thank you so very much. And thank you, Ms. Brianna. Absolutely, and, and thank you for the question. And it's amazing you, you talk about this. Uh, one, of, one of my passions in everything I do, uh, being the president of NAACP here in Beaumont, uh, becoming a pastor. I, I started off as a youth pastor at my uh, local church here 20-something years ago. Every Sunday I preach, we baptize uh, 10, 11 kids. Uh, so w- we were always concerned with children. So I'm building my cabinet now. One of the things that Arthur and uh, Chante put pressed upon me is that don't wait till I get to the office to act like the governor. We need to do these things. We have to govern right now. And so we're taking these responsibilities ourselves. So I was at the roundtables with a, a lot of pastors from uh, East Texas, Southeast Texas, up to Fort Worth. There was a guy by the name uh, D.Z. Uh, Cofield. If you Google him, you'll find out he uh, preached uh, uh, Barbara Jordan's funeral in 1996. And uh, I went back and I looked at that because Barbara Jordan was my uh, representative U.S. Congresswoman. Barbara Jordan was one of my professors uh, via VHS. I called it the first online class I ever took. 
at Lamar University. And so I, I studied uh, Texas government way back then because I knew I'd do something. I didn't know it'd be governor, but I knew I'd do something in the state of Texas. And one of those things we have to deal with is our children. And I have friends and family and workers that work for CPS, so I'm already dialoguing with them. We're coming up with a plan. So we're reaching out to uh, Vice President uh, Kamala Harris right now to get on that program, to work with her. Uh, and so it's the same team that brought in George Floyd's sister with the SLAM uh, program and protesting there. So we have some powerful, energetic folks that's with Texas Black Coalition, NAACP, Poor People's Campaign. So we're doing a lot of work right now. We're not waiting to go to the table. We're not waiting to get to the office. We're working right now. We're building a coalition. We're building a cabinet right now as we speak. Excellent. Excellent. Love it. Love I love it. that. I love it. <laughs> yes. And, and, then, and I have to piggyback on top of that. You are 100% correct. That's why I say you look at what the people who are running for office now, look at what they've done in their past. Look how they have voted in their past. Look what their work has been. And I say this all the time as I'm campaigning. I didn't wait to get in an elected office in order to do the right. work that was required to do for my community, that great community called East Texas. been fighting for the East Texas, Texas, and the nation all of my Amen. life. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. Well, and before you go, and I know you have to move on, but watch this. My minor, people don't even know it. I don't know about myself until I hear Miss Rihanna interview uh, First Sergeant, <laughs> and I have to think about myself. And I have a minor in social, social work. Uh, it used to be called social studies, but now it's called social work. I, right. I, I dealt with the CPS and, and those homeless and abuse and uh, women that were neglected and abused, but also have to deal with uh, uh, children and women. So, this is a long history. We're talking about this a whole other show, but I'm just telling you, I'm excited to do the work right now. We're not waiting to do the work. Very good. Amen. Qualification, Amen. qualification, stepping up to the plate. I love it. I love that government. I love that government. That's right. That's beautiful. Cavalry is in the move. The cavalry is in the move. Yeah. The in the house. Well, first of all, obviously, you know, I have one for you. And, uh, and you know that, that one of my uh, mantras, obviously, is the homelessness. And so uh, we have about 50 homeless people right here in Tyler, Texas. And I say this every single day, that we live in the wealthiest country in the world. And while we have homeless people in this nation, I will never know because the money is there. And so I always talk about uh, the, the condemned homes and places that we need to reconstruct and and uh, put these people, take people off the streets. And I sat there and listened to uh, Pastor Cooper talking about Sixth Street down in Austin, Texas. You, they got a whole entire tent city down there. But I can't go to Austin, Texas and talk about them. I can talk about Tyler, Texas, and the homelessness that we have under the bridge right here in my district. And what I say continuously is I don't want my district to be looked at as a low-income district because there's people in living this district that has money. So, First Sergeant, when you get up to Washington, D.C., this is a big federal issue. What will you do to help us to eradicate homelessness in this country, starting with the veterans and, and going across the board? Because no person uh, should be homeless. And go ahead and tell us what you want us to know, First Sergeant. You're so true. And, you know, you first have to think about how close are each of us close to homeless. Amen. And, and, you know, yeah. and when you put yourself in that ability, then you figure out how close and how ahead are you. 
And you, a lot of us are living paycheck to paycheck, robbing Paul yeah. to pay Peter. So having homes affordable, making homes affordable, bringing mm-hmm. a, 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 not just a tent city, but I had the ability with when I was with you, when we were in Austin, we had these mobile homes that was put together, and they were individuals who were used to be homeless, and they are working for a cause every day to get out of that system. So eventually they would leave that village and move to their own home and their own apartment. I want to create that same mirror image throughout Texas, throughout East Texas, because there is no right, no way that a veteran should be homeless. Now, we're all just guilty by association. So when I take care of the veterans, I'm taking care of all those first who want to be helped because you got to want help to receive help. So if you don't want to be homeless, we have the plan. We will get those grants. I will get those grants, and I will get everything. I'm honored to be a part of this cycle where our president and commander-in-chief, that plan that he has, Texas can truly, without this former governor and the new governor on board, we will have enough money that it will be a start and a new beginning for Texas. One day, I want to I make zero tolerance. There is such of a word, and it can is attainable. It is truly attainable, but there is more than enough money. We just got to get it, and we got to write. We got to write the grants. We got to put the peoples together. We've got to put. We got to put a team together, and 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 that task force that you are part, that can be a piggyback because it's all about health. It's all about readiness. And, and Dr. McKellar, that team that you have in East Texas is the same team that's going to be part of this governor's team, the same team that I'm going to bring in District 6. That is how we, we piggyback on each other. We, we're all in this together, and we all got to work together. Very good. And no, then, so let me I, I, very good. And let me just say this for Sergeant, and I'm going to say this to you and Pastor Cooper, is that that when you all get into these seats, I'm going to continue to ring that East Texas bell, and I want you all to remember, don't forget East Texas. There are are voters out here. We got a million voters out here that can help to get you gentlemen in. We can help Pastor Cooper get in the office, and guess what? We have people here in East Texas that have that connection. Dr. Hagney, Dr. Richard Hagney has connections of people into your district, First Sergeant, in in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, in a Tarrant County area. And so we are all connected. We're not separated. This is the United States of America, and we're all one. And so what looks good in South Texas, excuse me, say that again, Mr. Arthur? Are you going to speak at the event this weekend? Because we're putting together the thing tomorrow. I'm going to get. I probably will. I probably will fly down there and 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 spend the day with you. You down there, Mr. Arthur? Will and 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 Mr. Arthur, uh, 
after first, if, if these two candidates have anything else to say, if you can, if you can talk about that for a few seconds of, of, of what the plans are. I don't know if Miss Rihanna is is finished with the interview. These these gentlemen have been amazing. I've, I've certainly enjoyed yeah. listening to them. We have about five minutes left, and so Mr. Arthur, if you can share with us about the Poor People's Campaign NAACP and and everything and all yeah. of these bills that yeah, are this out weekend. there. It is weekend in Austin uh, from, from 1 to 3 o'clock at the Emancipation, Emancipation Statue. Uh, we'll be holding a Bull Connor, uh, uh, Bull Connor voter suppression rally uh, against uh, Senate Bill what, 7 and, and House Bill 6. And so, and at this fair, we're going to be able to, uh, we want to, uh, again, besides showing our displeasure uh, at what they're attempting to do, uh, we're, we're going to be very informational. We're, we're going to have a lot of uh, 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 information for folks about what we're going to do next. And, of course, one of the things we're going to do next, we're going to uh, put a big focus on East Texas. Uh, like you just said, while I go East Texas, there are over a million black people uh, and, and something like 82 to 85 precincts, which is ridiculous. So uh, so we're going to come in and hopefully you can help liberate that area. Uh, and if HR1 passes, that would be great. That will help us out a whole lot. Uh, so we got a lot of work to do. Uh, you know, we're excited about it, and uh, uh, you know, we'll be live streaming the uh, event Saturday. So, uh, uh, you know, if you can come on out, uh, you know, and uh, you know, check us out. Now we're 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 not trying to get a super big crowd because we're on the on the Capitol grounds, and you know, you know how the security thing is with that. So we want to be, uh, you know, we want folks to be safe. So uh, you know, so we'll probably have about a couple hundred people there. Property because we're not trying to really get thousands or anything like that. But anyway, like, uh, but the message will be clear about why we're there. Uh, it'll be on to East Texas. <laughs> Good job. Good job. <laughs> and what time? What time in Austin? What time is it? One to three. Oh, one to three o'clock. One to three. And, and let's talk about it off air, uh, first sergeant. And, uh, and 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 we'll see what happens. We'll see uh, how everybody's schedule is. We see what uh, Dr. Hagney's schedule is, and uh, and so we. I, everybody knows that I'm not in, I'm not at the driver's seat uh, right now. So I'm dependent upon drivers to get me where I need to be. And and I've been blessed that that to be able to to do that with no issues. Uh, but if we can. We can we can work it out, but uh, but but I'm going to take the wheel now, and I'm going to say I, I'm I'm so thankful to have uh, you on, Miss Rihanna. Our co-host has done amazing amazing uh, interviewing with you gentlemen uh, tonight, and I, I'm I'm as as the uh, former president uh, Barack Obama would say, I'm fired up and I'm ready to go, <laughs> and so I think. The rest of us are fired up and ready to go. Uh, we have work to be done, and we cannot. We can no longer sit sit down. And Pastor Cooper has already laid out that we bring in our own table, and we bring in our own menu, and we bring in our own chairs. And so we're going to sit set up our own table. We're going to sit down at the welcome table and carry out the the needs the goals and the objectives and the mission of this country. We want to make this country the united that it should be. No more separatism. We have to work together as a team to get where we need to be. And so I'm going to let Ms. Rihanna end it uh, for us for tonight. It's been outstanding. I have thoroughly enjoyed sitting here in the passenger seat 
and listening to these two great candidates. I'm so very yes. proud to call them son and brother. Thank you. And now, Ms. Rihanna, we'll give it back to you. Okay, thank you. Thank you. And I, I want to thank everybody for joining us. I want to thank um, everybody for uh, spending an evening with Daryl Eddings, Sr., uh, I want everyone to please, please go to eddingsforcongress.com, E-D-D-I-N-G-S, 4-F-O-R, congress.com, and click that Donate button. It's in red. The other buttons are blue. <laughs> click the red button and do whatever you can to support uh, Daryl Eddings for Congress because his race is a special one. It's coming up really soon. Uh, it is May 1st. You can early vote in Texas uh, from starting today, going through April 27th. So please go early vote. If, if you can't make it to early vote, make sure you're there May 1st to vote for Eddings for Congress. You can find them at Eddings Texas, E-D-D-I-N-G-S-T-X on Twitter, and Eddings for Congress PX6 on Facebook. Uh, thank you so much, um, and please, please take care of one another out there. Love yourselves, love each other, treat each other kind, and vote for Daryl Eddings for Congress. Good night. And Miss Rihanna, while you're while you have him at the poll, and vote for Shirley McKellar re-election yes. for City <laughs> District Three in Tyler, Texas. Thank you. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Good night. Bye bye. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. One day when the glory comes, it will be out. It will be out. Oh, one day when the war is won, we will be sure. We will be sure. Oh, no. the heavens, no man, no weapon, formed against, yes, glorious destined, everyday women and men become legends, sins that go against our skin become blessings, the movement is a rhythm to us, freedom is like religion to us, justice is juxtaposition in us, justice for all just ain't specific enough, one son died, the spirit is revisiting us, true and living, living in us, resistance is us. That's why Rosa sat on the bus That's why we walked through Ferguson with our hands up When it go down, we woman and man up They say stay down and we stand up Shots, we on the ground, the camera panned up King pointed to the mountaintop and we ran up One day, when the glory comes It will be out, it will be When the war is won, we will be sure, we will be
every man, woman, and child. Even Jesus got his crown in front of a crowd. They march with the torch, we gon' run with it now. Never look back, we done gone hundreds of miles. From dark roads, heroes, to become a hero. Facing the league of justice, his power was the people. Enemy is lethal, a king became regal. Saw the face of Jim Crow under a ball ego. The biggest weapon. It's to stay peaceful, we sing Our music is the cuts that we bleed through Somewhere in the dream we had an epiphany Now we right the wrongs in history No one can win the war individually It takes the wisdom of the elders and young people's energy Welcome to the story we call victory The coming of the Lord, my eyes have seen the glory One day, when the glory comes, it will be Good night.